you have your Bibles and want to turn there, we're in Mark. We've been going through this amazing gospel according to Mark. And Mark's gospel has been relentless to us in its presentation of Jesus. A lot of times when we look at the gospel and, and, and different accounts of Jesus' life and we want to go into his teaching so that we can see how to do the things that he said to do. But Mark is pushing us, is pushing you and me to see the wonder of our Savior. And, and I just want to say, if you're here today and you know Jesus, you've received the greatest gift that you could ever have. And we together have this amazing gift. And the difficulty for you and me is even though I have this gift, I'm constantly being bombarded with different things I'm supposed to do. And I start to get uncertain about the gift or that gift doesn't impact my life as as I believe it's supposed to with this relentless presentation of Jesus. It's kind of like we're sheep and we're going to talk about small things today and sheep. I don't really know sheep. I hear they're dumb. But I kind of know dogs, not like Randy knows dogs. But, you know, I've got a, I've got a little, a golden doodle, I think they're called. They're just a little, a little dog. She's two and, and, and she's a great dog. And she can be all bound up in a cage and put away in it. But if I have a treat, she has a single mind. I want the treat. Can I have the treat? I want to take her somewhere. I want to take her to surgery to save her life. She won't be thinking about the surgery to save her life. But if I have a piece of cheese, I can get her to go anywhere. A, a bit sometimes I think we're like that. We, we, we want to look at the cheese. We want to look at that. I, I don't think about the amazing depth of the gift of Christ who's going to make you live forever. And, and, and then we, sometimes as Christians especially, we, 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 we take things about Jesus and we try and make them things that we do. Like somehow that's the treat is that we're supposed to go do these things over here. So I, I want to help you get the right lenses by which you see the wonder that all of us gathered around the cross are, are in this amazing receiving of the gift community. We make assumptions about the word of God, even what it's about. And I want to break those assumptions today as we see the heart of Jesus. And I want to show you this as he, he deals with what are small things. But to go into the story and see how they're developed is to help us actually get the wonder that is Jesus. Versus only focusing on what we are we're so tempted by. So come with me in these small things. We're going to look at three things Jesus did and, and how, how they played out. The first is feeding the hungry. And, and it's this great miracle that happens today. And if you've been a Christian and been through Sunday school, you know it. It's the feeding of the 5,000. But we're going to look at it. And here it is in verse 30 of chapter 6. So follow along with me. Here we go. The apostles returned to Jesus and told Jesus all that they had done and taught. And you remember last week we looked at how Jesus sent out the apostles, almost like the Exodus, right? They couldn't take much with them. They're just supposed to go through and announce and talk about Jesus. They had authority over demons. They healed people. So they came back and are giving this report. And Jesus said to them in verse 31, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And so they they went away in a boat to a desolate place by themselves. Okay, so our scene starts today with the apostles, and they've come back, and they're telling Jesus what they've done. And, and you know what? Jesus wants to hear the stories. 
Jesus wants to give them rest. There's no rest to be had. There's too many people. They're all over. So they go to a desolate place, and that, that could be Arizona, but no. <laughs> it just means an isolated place, right? They go to an isolated place, like they go off to a, a, a place where they could be alone. It's very cool because oftentimes I feel like we feel pressed or upon or overwhelmed. We think, well, this is service. This is me pouring out my life, and I'll rest in heaven. And if you think that, you're not like Jesus. He he, uh, he wants his guys to breathe. He wants to spend time with them. He, he's not going to get it, though, right? Because now it says in verse 33, Many saw them going, and they recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns, and they got there ahead of them. You can just see it, right? It's like they take the boat around to a kind of isolated cove, and they're like, ah, we can talk and rest. And then they get found, and you see people looking over the cove and starting to filter down, and pretty soon there's a new crowd around him, more and more people. And and when he, Jesus, went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Okay, this is really important to follow the story, or, or you're going to get lost Jesus sees the people right they don't have a shepherd they're like sheep without one that means they're really lost they're going to wander and die they have no direction and and like I said I've I've heard I don't know sheep but they're, they're really dumb I even read in some commentary that if a sheep falls over on its back it can't get up it'll just wiggle its legs until it dies until somebody will come and help it. And they have no clue of how to handle themselves. And, and you need direction. It's just total fantastic image of lost helplessness. So Jesus sees people. This is what he's come for. He has compassion. He has pity. He has mercy on people who are lost and aimless on their own and totally helpless. And so he's, he's going to do this incredible miracle, right? The feeding of the 5,000. That's going to happen right here. And so in my mind, I kind of think this. Jesus had compassion on them like sheep without a shepherd. And he fed them. Um, no. It's actually not what the text says, right? That's what I think. I think we're going to the feeding of the 5,000. He had such compassion on them and they're hungry, so he feeds them. It actually said he had compassion on them and he what? taught them. He began to teach them many things, the Bible says. The teaching of Jesus. We've seen some of his teaching. We started with with some straight and then parables. Incredible stuff. All oriented on Jesus who is the life. You can think of it as Jesus teaches the I am's of John. I I am the the good shepherd. I'm the door of the sheep. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I lay down my life for the sheep. And you can go through all the Old Testament and all the teachings they had of the Hebrew Scriptures and show how they point to Him. Jesus' compassion was the teaching and and to orient people that the only hope they had is Jesus. And, And it took time, right? He helps people to see the law and gospel and teaches and speaks about Him come to earth, apparently for hours, because that's what He cares about. Not food. 
It's not his Christian mission. But, verse 35, when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour's now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. I get it. The the people who care about food, the people who are mentioning food here are the disciples, right? Jesus is doing mission critical things. He's talking about Jesus, the depth, the wonder of the gift. And the disciples are like, in fact, there's kind of a flavor of Jesus when you shut up. You've been talking for hours. We're all really hungry. Can you send them away? I mean, this was supposed to even be our alone time. And Jesus says, no, I can't send them away. What I'm doing here is really important. Forgiveness of sin in my name. I'm the way and the truth and the life. All the scriptures speak of me. I'll keep going. You just give them something to eat. That's what he literally says, right? He answered them, you give them something to eat. Not, oh, what a great opportunity for a wonderful miracle to feed people. You give them something to eat. Well, of course, the disciples. Um, no tango dinero. <laughs> like that makes a lot of sense, Jesus. Shall we, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? We don't in our English understand what a statement of hyperbole that is. That's like saying, should I take, you know, eight months salary and go spend it all on some food for these people? We don't have any money. Our pockets are so full. So at this point, stop with me, right? Jesus, our Savior. He's very aware that people are drawn by healing, that people are drawn by miracles, that people are more interested in food today than heaven tomorrow. He's clearly identifying what's important, but he's also amazingly very willing to show broken sheep they have a shepherd. Our God's so cool. Hence in verse 38, he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. So we know from other accounts that they didn't have any. They found some boy with loaves and and fishes. But here it's just summarized by Mark. He said they found out five and two fish. So that's five small loaves of bread and, and two fish. And so then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties and taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish and and those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Implication is there are more than 5,000 there, that these actually is the word for man. So that if there are women and kids there too, there's thousands upon thousands being fed. So so he fed thousands of people with five loaves of bread and a couple of fish, and, and the, they weren't even the disciples, right? And, 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 and again, I'm tempted to say, wow, I wish I was there to see it. Even sometimes this becomes Christian mission, like 
the feeding program because the issue is, is meeting needs when people are hungry. And look, that's what Jesus does. But, but we see from our text as you follow the story, Jesus isn't really that involved. I mean, he enters into these small things to show some big realities, right? He's the bread of life. The actual thing that you see in this in this amazing miracle isn't so much, hey, look, Jesus can give people food because he does this miracle, and it's not something he does every day. You can say, okay, now that's great. We're going to take the extra loaves and fishes. We're going to store them over here, and then we'll dole them out over the next four days, and we'll make sure we keep doing that because this is the thing. Everybody needs a meal. It's not what he does, is it? He does this incredible miracle, and I think it's significant. There's 12 basketfuls of leftovers because the whole thing points all the way through, just like the exodus happened at the Passover meal, which by in John's account, they make sure to say this is the Passover time. And here's Jesus breaking bread at the Passover saying, hey, I'm the bread of life, eat it. And there's 12 baskets left over, like like all the 12 tribes of Israel. It all points to me. It's all Jesus all the time. He does this miracle that shines a blazing light on him being God. The God who led people out of slavery. The God who led people in the wilderness to the promised land. The God who is their only hope. Lost and helpless. Look, here's food. Here, the gift of food. Because because you need the gift of me, right? Because I kind of want to think of Jesus this way. I want to think of Jesus like, okay, Jesus gives me the treats. Jesus gives me the stuff, but the stuff is the stuff I want, like food. So Jesus, look, he's the miracle worker. He gives me food, and Jesus flips it, right? And if you read the account in in John, very clear. Here, not so clear, but it's here. What? Jesus is the food. If you want to live, he says in relation to this miracle in John's gospel, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. This isn't Jesus giving manna. This is Jesus as manna. And if you'll see it, disciples and people, the incredible importance of Jesus alone, he feeds them all from nothing with lots left over. And and, and, and the compassion looks like for him delivering the sheep. That's by understanding in his teaching that Jesus is their only hope. That's his whole chapter. Look at the next story with me. It keeps going. Calming the sea. Now, if I think of, of, of what amazing picture of circumstances that are hard, you think of an ocean and you think of a storm. How many of us don't think we've been through storms in our life? How many of us haven't gone through storms in our life? And we get rocked and we get pushed around and think, only if only my storms would be flat. And then we have this amazing story of Jesus calming the sea. And again, we enter in the same sort of assumption that this is what the Bible is about, about meeting my needs in, in whatever small treat I can find, that the circumstances of my life, I wish they were flat. So look at this story and look at it closely. Is that what it says? Because immediately, Mark, Mark and this is boom. Cut scene action, the image of the 12 baskets full of bread and the fish still burning on our retinas, these 5,000 fully fed sheep, and boom, something else happens. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. By the way, I love this. So, normally I would think Jesus would go away while the disciples dismissed the crowd. 
you guys get the people to go and I'm going to go away in prayers. No, he sends the disciples away and he dismisses the crowd. He's still there with the people. It's so amazing. And the disciples are going to go get over to the other side of the lake. Hopefully to get some rest. And after he did that, he went up to pray. Because it says, after he'd taken leave of them, in verse 46, Jesus went up on the mountain to pray. When evening came, the boat was on the sea, and he was alone on the land. So this is our Savior. He spent time alone. He was wont to do that. By the way, in in this culture that Mark's in, you don't necessarily understand it here, but in the culture Mark's in, this is a, a, a great statement that Jesus wasn't a magician. He wasn't exercising strange powers with the glowing hands. When he goes and prays, he's submitting himself to the gods in their thought, or to the God. He's an emissary from God. And he looked out over the sea, and he could actually see their boat, right? And it was barely moving, the Bible says. Because he saw that they, the disciples, were making headway painfully. For the wind was against them, and about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. Yeah. Like we see this all the time. Jesus walking on the water, just cruising on the waves as the wind prevents the boat from going anywhere. The implication is that the wind wasn't stopping Jesus at all. And here they are, hoping to go across, and they've been doing it for hours while Jesus went and prayed. And now Jesus is just kind of floating along. They're inching along. And there's wind, and there's waves, and there's struggle. Does it sound familiar? I mean, struggling and trying and getting nowhere fast. And so many times people try and spiritualize this. Man, if you just trust Jesus, your life gets calm. Everything will just flow. You'll have a soft, still lake of a life. It's like the opposite of this passage. Because Jesus saw they were struggling. Note this. He who was God and he'd spent time with his father, and now he's going to meet them on the other side. And guess what? He's not going to stop. What? That's what it says, right? It says, when they saw him, there it says, no, about the fourth watch of the night in verse 48, it says he, he saw him walking on the sea. So there he was. He meant to pass by them. But they're struggling. It's okay. I just said, hi, guys. Have a good struggle. See on the other side. You'll make it. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost. And they cried out. For they all saw him and they were terrified. Because that's what happens, right? They, they, they're struggling and Jesus knows they're struggling. Jesus didn't stop to stop their struggling. Their struggle was okay with him. They were going to make it to the other side. But, but what stopped him was what? They saw Jesus. And they were terrified. Of who? Jesus. He's very concerned about how they think about him. They thought he was a ghost. Some spirit, they're really afraid. Some ghost floating over the water. And, and their, their struggles against the sea doesn't make them stop. But, but their fear of him does. But immediately he spoke to them. He said, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded. 
for they did not understand about the loaves. But their hearts were hardened. I don't know how often you've studied this passage. I've studied it a lot. And and, and this phrase, uh, this verse, I'd never really thought on before. That links these two miracles together. And should impact our hearts together. They didn't understand about the loaves. What were they not understanding about the loaves? They obviously knew and understood that Jesus was a miracle worker. They were on ground zero as Jesus transformed five loaves and a couple fish into 12 baskets full of food left over after everyone had eaten. They've seen Jesus heal hundreds, if not thousands of people all over. They know he has the power. What did they not understand about the loaves? If there's sheep without a shepherd, I wonder if those sheep without a shepherd don't include the disciples, those who are Christ, even us. These calming words are for their hearts that he's with them and he cares and he has compassion on lost people about him, not about the stuff. Lost people are them, right? Notice this, notice this. Number one, notice notice that the wind ceased right away. Calming the sea was not Jesus' focus. Their fear of Jesus was, but he certainly could calm the sea. Jesus is able to do absolutely anything. He does and he can heal. He are my savior can do that. He does and he can make food out of nothing. But the second thing is how astounded they were at the, at the, at the ceasing wind. And according to Mark, that's a bad thing because it means that their hearts were hardened. This is where I start to go, ooh, I wonder if that's not me. Because I don't live my life knowing all the time that Jesus has me. That the reality of Jesus is Jesus for me. That's a truth because of what Jesus has said, that he's with you all the time, every moment, in every circumstance. And my eyes lie. What do they do? They look at the waves. And they say, oh, Jesus isn't for me. They look at they look at the circumstance and they look at the hunger, the lack of money, the the the, re, the relationships that aren't right, and they start to say, "Oh, Jesus isn't for me. If only He'd do a miracle." And then when He does, I'm all excited because then it proves, you see, that He loves me, and that's absolutely backwards. Jesus loves you. Stop. Well, what's the big thing? Those are the small things, right? The, the, the healing is the small thing. The food is the small thing. The, the, even the wave stopping is a small The big thing is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came down to earth for you. And he went to the cross for you, and he died for you, and he loves you with an unceasing, unchanging love, and he lays that on you, and it's the biggest gift you could ever have, and you've got it. And they start going, well, you know, if it was really a gift of love, then he would calm my waves. Total backward. The gift is the love that you have in Christ. And our hardened hearts focus on the treat. I want to see the proof again. Owner, that you really love me, where's the cheese? 
Jesus is for us, you see. And, and one last little bit I want to show you. Man, they were astounded that Jesus would do something so large as feed 5,000 people. They're astounded that Jesus would do something so amazing as calm the sea. And, and, and their focus for all our lives become, what can Jesus do for me now? I start to see through the gift to what's going to happen for me or what I'm going to become even. And it's totally backwards. We've got to stop with the gift and say, whoa, we've got Jesus. Healing the sick too, you know not just uh, calming the sea. It's healing the sick. Because in verse 53, when they crossed over, they came to the land at Genesaret, and they moored to the shore. And when they gotten out of the boat, the people immediately recognized Jesus. So let's pause for a second. Now on the next day, same story. They get to the other side. They splash over the side. You kind of have this image of them jumping off and walking up to the shore there, and immediately they're crushed in again by people. They want to hear Jesus teach. You want to hear about the resurrection, the life, the way, the truth, and the life, the Son of Man, the one who will forgive all the sin you've ever done and give you righteousness by his hand alone, who will care for you forever. You want to hear about that? No. He's here. It's healing time. That's what the text says, right? Because it says, and they ran about the whole region, and they began to bring sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. Jesus, Jesus, let's go. Well, I want to hear how he's going to heal me. No. And wherever he came, in villages, in cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces. They implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment, and as many as touched it were made well. Not after Jesus. They don't even care about what he might say. If I could just touch his garment. We don't need to talk to him. And you know what? That's right. It's a treat. They got healed. Great things happen, but don't think for a minute that that's the point. Jesus Christ is going to the cross for you and me. You need to hear today, you're forgiven. This is going to change your life. Jesus isn't a meal ticket. He's not a weather change. He's not even a healer, not primarily. He can do all of that, and he does. It's amazing. Our Savior's awesome. But he was headed to the cross. What we see today are small things. They're not really. They're some of the most amazing miracles a person can do. I have no ability and never have to feed 5,000 people by saying, let's break the bread and pass it around. It's an incredible miracle. And it's tiny. Compared to what Jesus is and to what he does, because he can do it all. That what we see today are really signs, right? Not ends. And one of the greatest dangers we will fall into as Christians is that you and I, we use Jesus. Thinking that what he's after is for us to accomplish what he did, but he was doing them only as signs of his coming. We think Jesus is about getting people fed and cared for. When he's the food, you know that's way more offensive. I was part of a movement that really was into that. You know, we wanted to feed people and care for them, but we knew that Jesus was more important, so we made people sit through a gospel presentation first, and then they could eat. 
I, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's fine. There are people who come to the Lord from that. But you know what I, the thought then that people have is that all I really want is the food and I'll sit around and listen to it until I can get to the food. Guess what those people are? Not really ready for the bread of life. Because here's the statement, right? This is from the account in John. It says this in John 6.53. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise him up on the last day. This is what Jesus is about. That's cannibalism. I mean, that's what it sounds like, right? It's not, oh, come to Jesus and he'll feed you with some bread. And It's like crazy offensive to say this is what we're talking about. Yet it is. This is the gift that Jesus is our bread. He is the blood that we have to take in because by his stripes we're healed. And all the good works we can do at trying to get people to see it, if they won't see that actually what they need to do is get Jesus, then they're just looking for the treat. I am too. We think Jesus is about loving people when he is love for us. He really is about delivering you and me. We receive him. He proclaims that he has rescued you. And if you receive it, this is not some social improvement. This is rescue. And and even, even so take the second one, calm seas. And you start thinking, well, man, I, I want Jesus to make my circumstances better. But you know, that's not what he's about. How can you say that, Dax? I, he loves me. Doesn't he want me to have calm seas? Yeah, but then he said stuff like this. You got it. You got to see it. Look at this from John 16. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. Okay, he wants me to have peace. Yeah, in him, his amazing rescue. In the world, guess where we are right now? Right there. In the world, you will have tribulation. Let's just, let's just call tribulation stormy seas. But be of good cheer, take heart. I have overcome the world. This is my Savior saying you will experience things that are hard and every single person in this room has. And we continue to and all those things we know they're true. And saying like, trying Jesus to wave a wand and take him away is not what Jesus is talking. He, he can and he does and he will in, in certain situations and he does and when he does we rejoice. But the reality is, the gift is that he's overcome the world. And too often, I'm the world. So the great news is Jesus has overcome me. He wants you not to fear him. He is no ghost. He is fully man and fully God, and he's our rescuer, our savior. There is healing in his wings because he takes us who are sinners and lost and least and disfigured and unclean, and he forgives us and he gives us his life. So this morning, maybe this is heavy for us, But that's what these stories do. They don't lay out a social movement for us to feed. They say, look to the bread. Look to the blood that you take in and live. It says, don't look for a calm life. Look for the one who's overcome the world, who has you all the way through. 
Oh, may the focus of our life be to receive him, not to use him, because he doesn't promise full stomachs and easy seas and health. He promises to all who take him in that they will be raised up with him forever. And we have gotten the greatest gift you could ever have. Jesus himself. That's not a small thing. It's the biggest. Pray with me, would you?